Welcome to Heard It on the Coffee Vine, the podcast from Europe's favorite coffee subscription service and globally trusted coffee blog. I'm your host and Coffee Vine founder, Alex Kitain. And in this podcast, I interview coffee roasters, baristas, growers, scientists, innovators, and other interesting people who love specialty coffee. Today, my guest is Alejo Castrocale, sixth generation coffee farmer and owner of the famed Volcana Azul coffee farm in Costa Rica. Known for its outstanding quality, commitment to sustainability, and award-winning geishas, Volcana Azul is a globally respected and sought-after producer, and over the years, I've had the pleasure of featuring many of their wonderful coffees in my coffee van boxes, courtesy of roasters like Per Nordby and The Barn. Welcome, Alejo. Well, thank you for having me. For me, it's a real pleasure and, and an honor to to have this conversation with you. I follow you, Alex, in, uh, I follow your videos and they are really entertaining and you learn a lot from your videos. So for me, it's really a great pleasure. Uh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. It's really lovely to have you on board. It's, it's always amazing to have the uh, producers uh, who produce a lot of the coffees that we work with um, in a video chat or uh, on the podcast. So I'm super happy to have you here and I'm very excited about this conversation that we're going to have. So um, Alejo, tell me a little bit about Volcán Azul. Um, maybe let us know a little bit of, about its history. And um, you said you're the sixth generation. So tell me a little bit about your ancestors. How did it all start? Well, uh, first, I, I think here at Volcán Azul, we have three pillars. So of course, we, we need to have the quality we have our tradition and we have our, our conservation, uh, our sustainability programs. But first, I will start with the tradition because that's how we can explain a little bit uh, how everything started and our motivations to produce a, a, a coffee. So uh, the production and, and direct export uh, in our family started in the, in the 1840s. So now we have over 180 years of tradition producing and exporting coffee. Uh, it started first from the side of my father in, in Costa Rica. Uh, his name was Alejo Jimenez. So, so he, he was the one who started this, this tradition in, in, in our family. And from the side of my mother, uh, it started in the 1890s. So it's also an old tradition over 130 years uh, producing coffee from that side of my family. They came first from Germany, first to the south, south of Mexico, to Chiapas. And then they, they in the in the 1950s they also decided to to buy farms in in, in Costa Rica. Uh, so yeah, it's a, an old tradition from both sides of the family. That's why I always say that instead of blood running through my veins, I have coffee running through my veins. Uh, that that's uh, so we have a big love for for the, for the for the industry. Uh, but we also feel a big responsibility because we know all the stories behind our ancestors, how difficult it was to, to produce coffee uh, back then and to export directly. So the, the first Talejo used to trade directly to England. Uh, so and back then, of course, we didn't have containers, we didn't have uh, airplanes uh, to, 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 to travel from Costa Rica to, to England to sell the coffee. So we, we only had uh, sell ships. So to get from Costa Rica to England, it was uh, a, a, with a sell ship, it, 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 we only had a, a port in the Pacific, so so he had to go down to Argentina to Cape Horn and then up to to England. So it was a two-month trip each way. 
So it's, it was basically half a year just going to uh, to Europe to to sell the coffees. And the first Alejo did this trip over 20 times. So Oh, wow. So he went personally to, to England? Yes. It, it was common for oh, cof wow. coffee producers back then. They went to Europe to sell the coffees. And then they brought back uh, things to sell in Costa Rica from Europe. So, so right. the, the ship was coming back full of things uh, for him to, to sell to uh, in, in, in Costa Rica, uh, like right. wine or other uh, kinds of, 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 of goods. So and basically it was already direct trade back then, you could say. Uh, that's what I think is very interesting uh, and different from Costa Rica. We, we already had uh, a direct trade that also allowed us to, to get a, little, a bigger income from, from coffee and to invest more in, 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 uh, in, in Costa Rica. And that's a big part of our development in, in Costa Rica. Also, politicians from that uh, uh, time, they understood the importance of education. So a lot of uh, the income of coffee went to, for, for education in Costa Rica. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why Costa, Costa Rica uh, is doing a is doing a little bit better than than other uh, producing uh, countries because costa rica i mean it's it's one of several central american countries um that all share a relatively similar kind of uh, geography there are volcanoes across the whole chain from uh, obviously mexico all the way down um to panama and uh you guys are sort of somewhere in the middle uh, can you maybe describe to somebody who's never been to Costa Rica what it makes it so unique in terms of its uh, its biodiversity, its nature, its geography? something that makes us very unique we have different uh, climates in our in our country so uh, at the north of central valley we there is a line of volcanoes so all the coffee regions in the in the north uh, uh, they are from volcanic soils and in the south in the uh, those are taller mountains but they are not volcanic so it's a different kind of soils so in a relatively small country, you can find uh, very different uh, types of coffee. We have high altitudes uh, and we have great microclimates. Also, thanks because we, we have taken care of, of, of our nature and our forest. We also have great microclimates to, to, to grow coffee. So to, to put this into perspective, uh, uh, we have almost 60% of coverage of forest in, in Costa Rica. Uh, in the in the 60s is what it was only 25 but we reversed deforestation so now we we also, we already have 60 percent of, of forest in 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 costa rica and this is also helping us with with having these uh, great microclimates to to grow coffee for example in in our this is how i'm right now in in our main farm which is uh, 300 hectares uh, but two-thirds of the farm is, is just forest. 
So, so we we have a, a, a great microclimate for for to to, to grow a coffee. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I I've been to Costa Rica twice actually. Uh, I never had a chance to visit a coffee farm when I was there, but I I did visit a coffee farm in Panama, just before crossing the border. Uh, so I kind of I can kind of imagine what it looks like a little bit in terms of its geography and nature. Um, I find it amazing that Costa Rica has done such a great job at um, conserving its spectacular biodiversity and uh, and done such a great job at. Um, basically reversing deforestation. I think it's uh, incredible. But you guys are also uh, quite well known for having a, a really big, um, yeah, uh, or making a big effort uh, towards uh, sustainability at your farm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What does that entail? areas are in the Osa Peninsula, um, which is also a very important uh, area to, to have conservation because in a really small area we have 2.5% of world's uh, biodiversity. And that was one of the, our last agricultural frontiers in Costa Rica. So it's, it's very well conservated. Uh, it's, uh, it's, there is a lot of virgin uh, forest in that area. So in that area, we own and protect over 1,500 hectares of, of, of rainforest. And it's really something we are really proud of. So we, we don't only have uh, our conservation areas in our coffee farms. We also have some areas specific for, for, for conservation. Uh, that's, but, that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> It's something we, uh, since I was little, uh, I always we always went to to that area of of Costa Rica, and, and you really feel that that energy of of, of the rainforest. Uh, and when you go there, you you come back to San Jose as a new person uh, with new energy. So so <laughs> so it's, it's something you really have to to go to to that region when you come back uh, to to Costa Rica. Yeah. I would love to. So tell me, what does a typical day as a coffee producer look like? Like, when do you get up in the mornings? What do you do? Uh, and yeah, to, walk me through a typical day in, in your life. It, mine, personally, it changes uh, in, in every stage of, of the production. Uh, run, right now, we are preparing the coffees for, for exports. So right now I'm more more focused on the on the dry mill, uh, preparing the coffees uh, and copying them. Uh, if if they are ready, we start packing uh, those those coffees, so they will be shipped to 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 all our all the roasters that buy our coffee. Uh, during the harvest, uh, is is more going to the field, uh, checking the, the 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 how ripe the cherries are and, and uh, making the list uh, how we have to pick the, the, the coffees. Um, and then after, after we export the coffees, we have to manage our plantations. So we have to go a lot to, to the field and see uh, what we need to do in every uh, coffee plantation. Uh, see that the, the, the trees are healthy. 
so all, all year round it, it changes a lot my uh, wh what I have to do here at the farm. There are diff different phases and, and mm -hmm. it changes a lot. Yeah, I can imagine, especially when um, when you've got the harvest season, I can imagine that it's a completely different rhythm than uh, when you're, for example, planting new varieties and, and things like that. So tell me a little bit about the coffees that you grow, because you are uh, well known for growing a variety of different coffee uh, coffees on your farm, um, including SL28s, for example, Caturras, uh, you've got Geishas. Um, what is the sort of makeup of your coffee production? How can I how can I picture it? Well, uh, right now we have over we have tested over forty varieties at our farm. But the idea with this, uh, again, we started talking about the, the, the tradition uh, and, and knowing all the stories of how it was to produce coffee back then, uh, we feel a big responsibility to honor our ancestors. And I understood that the best way to, to honor them uh, is producing the, the highest quality. But, but what, what's the highest quality in, in coffee? Uh, it, it will change depending on the person you ask that. So, so in my own opinion, uh, to the highest quality is having a big range of or a big menu of flavors from the farm. And the best way to achieve this is having different varieties. So, so since, the, since 2010, I started looking for new varieties to, to plant at our farm. Uh, it, it, we used only to produce one or two varieties, Katura and Katwai, which they are still great. We still produce them. Uh, but I wanted to have this big menu of flavors uh, to to so so everybody can choose their favorite coffees from from our farm. So of course we have tested over forty varieties. Not all of them give you a great uh, cup quality. We will narrow down that the, that uh, number. But right now, of course, one of my favorite ones is is the Geisha. It's always a uh, high score coffees. For example, this uh, Saturday we were choosing the coffees we were we are going to use for a cup of excellence, and I think two or three of the uh, will will be geishas. Again, the the SL28 is also an amazing uh, uh, quality, very fruity. Uh, but we also have a lot of tipicas. I, I love the tipicas because this was the original variety that our ancestors uh, used to produce in Costa Rica in the in the 1840s. So, so I have a big attachment with, with, with Tipicas and, and it's one of the baselines. So there are many lines of, of Tipicas. So I'm doing a big research with, with Tipicas. Uh, but, but we also love Bourbons. Uh, we, in Costa Rica, we also have an institute called Cati Institute, which has one of the biggest uh, uh, coffee collections in the world. Uh, they got many of them from Ethiopia. Uh, most of them, there are some Tipicas, but we're get, getting some of those Ethiopian varieties uh, here at our farm, trying to look the, for the best one. We have SL34 now, Rume Sudan, Java, uh, Mocha, uh, Larina or Bourbon Point 2, which is a, a, a naturally a lower caffeine coffee. Uh, we're testing Wush Wush, uh, San Ramon. Uh, so yeah, every every year we're trying to test uh, something new, which will make our production uh, even more interesting in the future. And mm -hmm. of course, we're trying to to uh, to, to to select the, the the best variety for each microclimate in the farm. For example, right. we have learned we, we have learned that for for our geishas, uh, the the best altitude is over seventeen hundred meters. 
we used to have some geishas lower than that, so we're changing those plantations uh, uh, to, to higher altitudes. But remember, uh, uh, growing coffee, it takes at least four to five years to have the first harvest, to start knowing if it's good or not. So, mm -hmm. so it's, uh, it takes a lot of time to, to do all this uh, research in, in, in our farm. But what determines for you if a coffee varietal is successful, for example, after you've had the first harvest? How do you, is it based on your own personal cupping scores? Um, or are you also considering having, for example, different varieties that might uh, not achieve such a high score um, as a washed coffee, for example, and then maybe use it for a, a sort of experimental process? I don't know. I'm just saying something. Just <laughs> tell me if I'm right or wrong. Well, it, it, it's a great question. So, so uh, um, our, again, our, our focus is quality. So, so we have uh, three main criteria. The first one is quality, second one quality, and third one is, is, is quality. If, it's good to have varieties that with higher yield. It's good to have varieties uh, resistant to, to different uh, uh, diseases. But if the quality is really high, we don't mind that, uh, that they are more susceptible to diseases or that they have a low yield. And I will give you an example. For, for example, uh, the Bourbon Point 2, uh, the, you, you get uh, like 20% of what you get from, from a Katura per hectare. So, and from each, uh, um, for, for, we measure here the, the coffees by volume of cherries when we get them from the field. And from the same volume of cherries, we get half of, of green beans the, uh, compared to, to, to a Katura. So if you make those numbers, it doesn't make sense to, to, to produce a bourbon point two. But because of the quality and also the uniqueness of having less uh, caffeine, we are, we are planting more, more, more bourbon point two. So, so right. our, our focus is, is completely on, on, on quality. Uh, of course, I cop uh, all our coffees, uh, but we also rely on the judgment of, of the roasters we work together with. And you know many of them, they are really serious. Uh, they know a lot about uh, coffee. They know even more than us about roasting coffees and, and, and what they are looking uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the quality. So they also help us a lot to, to choose uh, uh, the, 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 the coffees that we are going to continue working in, in, the, in, the, in the future. And, and, to... and how is it with the processing methods, for example? I mean, are you... Um, you know, you, you say you start with the washed, of course, you know, to kind of first get an impression of the coffee and its uh, inherent cup profile. And after that, it has passed the test of a washed coffee, then you can consider something like a natural or a honey. Um, are you guys also doing very experimental things on the farm or is that something that you're staying away from? Oh, no, it's uh, well, we used to produce everything fully washed uh, uh, 12 years ago and I started with the new processes. Uh, so when, when we have a, a, a new variety, I, I try to do different processes to see which one uh, suits better to, to that uh, variety. Uh, but again, uh, you, you have to visit us when we, we are in the middle of the, of the harvest because I, I, I usually go around the plantations and I try the musclage or the honey of the, of the coffees. 
uh, and most of the varieties we select is, is based on that flavor. Uh, and I really love doing that. Uh, for me, it's, uh, that's uh, one of my favorite things of being a farmer is, is being able to go to the field and taste the, the, the mucilage. I eat like, I don't know how many cherries every every harvest. Uh, so so <laughs> I, I eat a lot of, a, a lot of cherries uh, during, during the harvest. And, and my idea is to try to translate those flavors to, to, the, to the cup. So, so for, for most of the varieties, I have found that giving more fermentation to the coffees, you can translate some of those flavors to, uh, uh, to the cup. So, so we're doing a lot of uh, anaerobic processes. Uh, we, we are it's still something relatively new in the, in the coffee industry. It's really old in wine, beer, and other mm-hmm. uh, uh, in, in industries. But we still yes. have a lot to learn uh, uh, with that. But I'm really loving that uh, process because um, they re- uh, when I drink those coffees, they remind me when I'm at the field uh, eating the, eating the 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 the, the, the mustache. <laughs> do you have, do you ever get any uh, kind of crazy requests from produce uh, from coffee buyers or coffee roasters that they want? A particular cup profile or they want you know something really extreme that has never been done before uh, and do you agree to those kind of requests or or do you say look we have this we have these coffees here right now you can choose these ones and that's all we've got <laughs> well that, uh, I, I think we have uh, having these conversations with roasters they are really rich and you learn a lot I, when I travel, I, I go to, to, to visit roasters, but when roasters travel, they go all around the world. So they see different uh, processes. So, so for me, it's, it's, it's really nice to, to, to learn from them. Even though we are the farmers and we know how to produce the coffees, you get a lot of ideas of, of roasters. And again, like, like I told you before, we, we only work with, with serious uh, roasters that, that have an idea of what they are doing. Uh, and they have trouble a lot, so so we have gotten really good ideas uh, from from our roasters. We we started the first anaerobic uh, pr- uh, uh, processes uh, thanks to to the collaboration with a roaster in Denmark co- called Steelers. Uh, so so we started first doing smaller batches of uh, anaerobics, and then then we scaled that up to uh, to to bigger uh, to bigger fermentation tanks. Uh, then this this year with another uh, roaster we uh, we processed the coffee in in uh, in bags for prolonged fermentation for almost uh, a week and a half in in those bags with a direct contact with sun so it was a very at the end we we, wow. we got a very a very funky coffee uh, with <laughs> some of yeah. our, uh, of the roasters love it some of them they don't like it so so much. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I, 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 I think you get better share, share, sharing ideas. Uh, we, we cannot be so close that uh, and snobby to tell people that the only way of producing coffee is, is how we think uh, we, we produce them. Yes. So, so, so it, it's better to, to be open-minded and to, and to do research. Uh, you, you will get better yeah. in the future. It's, it's, I mean, it's constantly evolving, right? Just like coffee preferences on the consumer end are constantly evolving. 
you know you you always have to be open to to new ideas but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to apply all of them across the board you know some things uh, are maybe just fads and they're kind of trendy now but they will fade away in a in a while whereas other things will always be there i mean personally i have to say from my own perspective i'm you know tending more towards washed natural honeys at the moment i've had my fair share of crazy fermentations and uh, I think some of them are just so extreme that I'm kind of losing the coffee in there and I'm not really sure what I'm drinking anymore. Uh, but it's definitely a very interesting you know, world. I, I, I sometimes taste things that I never thought possible. And, and that's obviously part of the work is uh, com- you know, most of the work is coming from the producer. Tell me a little bit about um, I, I want to touch a, a little bit more on the subject of uh, sustainability. And, you know, because one of the things that we're hearing all the time is that uh, climate change is having a huge effect on coffee production in many countries um and you know of course you know i, I don't want to say particular names but you know when you think of deforestation you often think about the amazon and you know what's happening there and that much of the rainforest is being chopped down to make space for agriculture and what you said earlier is that costa rica has actually reversed uh, the deforestation in the country, uh, and you're now back to 60, 65%, you said. Um, I wonder, how do you guys in Costa Rica look at climate change? Are you also affected as badly as maybe some producers in other countries? Or is the government really thinking ahead and doing whatever is necessary to preserve the natural habitat and the, the, the climates that you guys have? Well, first there are two, two uh, players here in uh, uh, So First, as a, uh, as a family, we, we really understand that we need to have sustainability. We, we have this old tradition. We don't want to be the last generation uh, producing coffees. So we have understood uh, sustainability and that uh, we have to do a, a big effort that the future generations will be able to continue with the with the coffee production uh, so so yeah first in the like I explained to you in the in the 1980s uh, we started uh, the the conservation of, of forest uh, but and also that's helping a lot uh, uh, to us having a great microclimate here so uh, in, in Costa Rica we will have two seasons we have rainy season and we have a, a dry season. So the harvest happens in the dry season, but even in the dry season, we have a mist coming down the mountain, and that's thanks to our conservation areas uh, at our farm. Uh, without that forest, we wouldn't have that mist coming down, and that's helping us a lot to, to that, uh, that our plantations they are better off during the dry season. Uh, and but we we have not stayed there with only our conservation areas. We, we have under, also understood that we have to do more in, inside our plantations uh, and having a more regenerative uh, uh, agriculture. So we are not using insecticides anymore. Uh, uh, we also have bees, so we produce honey from, from the coffee blossom, so we, we don't want to kill them. Uh, <laughs> we, in our new plantations, we are not using herbicides and we are trying to, to stop using conventional fertilizers. But that's a long-term process. Uh, yeah. If you, it's, it's like yourself. If you stop eating something that you're used to eat, uh, and you stop immediately, you, your your body will suffer. You you have to do a transition to that. So mm-hmm. so we are already using 
uh, more organic fertilizers every year. And we're also adding more microorganisms uh, to the soil and they will help uh, the tree to get more nitrogen. So that will help us stop using more of our conventional uh, uh, fertilizers. So, so we're trying to have a right. more regenerative uh, agriculture uh, uh, to, to grow this ecosystem in, the, in our soil. soil. Having this diversity of varieties also helping us uh, with, with the diseases because some varieties are more susceptible to, to one disease uh, and those will stop that disease uh, from, from another variety to get that uh, disease. We're planting more trees yes. uh, and also ha having grass and some undergrowth under the, the, the plantations is also ha helping us to, to, to have a, a very healthy ecosystem that also helps us with the, with the coffee production and at the end with the, with the quality. After that, right. talking about our country, we are really proud in Costa Rica uh, that we started since the 60s uh, with, our, uh, 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 with our conservation areas, uh, that it, they are getting bigger, uh, that we, like I told you before, that we reversed deforestation. Also, almost 100% of our uh, elect electricity comes from renewable uh, sources like water, uh, um, uh, sun and, and, and wind and geothermal, uh, small, small percentage. So we're, we're also really, really proud of, of, of that. And I, I think that will help us to, to combat uh, a, a climate change in a, in a better way. But of course, it's affecting us. Uh, we're part of the, of, of the world, so, so that's still yeah. affecting us. And we have seen that uh, the, the, the diseases, they attack a little bit harder now, and they, they change faster than they used to. So, so we have to be a little bit, always uh, uh, be alert and, uh, and uh, try to tackle those uh, diseases uh, when they are just starting. Do you also, um, I mean, do you proactively share knowledge with other farmers in Costa Rica? Is there some kind of community that you guys are a part of where you share knowledge and experiences and learnings and best practices with each other? Or is it relatively isolated um, how you work. I mean, I, I don't know because I'm not a coffee farmer, so I, I, I don't know what the intra-coffee farmer communication is like. Uh, I think there's a nice relationship with, between farmers here. We don't see each other as competition. Uh, at the end, uh, Costa Rican production is, is, is really small and getting smaller. Uh, so, so there is enough market for, for, for Costa Rican uh, uh, coffee and we we know that uh, roasters around the world they appreciate what we're doing in terms of sustainability. Uh, so, so so yeah, that's a, 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 we we have a good communication and a good friendship and we share many ideas with the coffee community. But you said earlier that uh, when you travel, you usually visit roasters. Do you never have the um, opportunity or do you never travel to other countries to see what other people in other countries are doing? Yeah, for sure. Tell me, um, which markets are you developing? I, I always find that really curious because uh, 
you know, for example, I'm not sure, sure if if you ever saw this in any of my videos, but I'm actually half Mexican, half German. So I go to Mexico mm -hmm. quite a lot every year um, to spend Christmas there. And um, what I noticed in Mexico was, you know, they have a very vibrant local coffee scene, but it's also a huge market. You know, it's a, Mexico City is enormous. So um, a lot of the roasters and coffee bars, they serve Mexican coffees um, as opposed to international. But I would love to hear um, what you uh, what you're excited about, which markets are, are, you know, yeah, which markets are you developing? Sorry, that question was very wide. <laughs> the question that, is, uh, yeah. Don't, don't worry, that's very interesting because uh, also my mother was born in Mexico. My grandfather was born in Mexico. Oh, so I, I like I like <laughs> I love spicy food because of my Mexican <laughs> heritage. Great. So but so um, we, we, we started with the European market, I think is the, the market that uh, demands a higher quality. It's very demanding and more difficult to, to be su successful in the, in, the, in the European market. So uh, being successful in the European market means that you have a high quality uh, standard. Uh, so we have tried to look for, for the best roasters over there that people know that they, they really have a, a, a high quality standard. So when people see that your coffees are over there, it's easy to, to go to, to other markets. So we, we, we have developed also the Asian market, which they, they love coffee. Yeah. So it's very interesting, interesting for us. And they are really good at not only roasting it, but also brewing or, or as baristas there. They are great. Uh, they really take care of details. So we really love uh, working with, with uh, uh, the Asian market. Uh, Australia is, is, is important for us. Mm -hmm. uh, Canada, uh, my wife was studying in Canada. So for me, it was very important to develop that market. If, okay. if not, uh, the, the farm w wouldn't pay my tickets for to, to, to Canada. So, <laughs> and we're, we're growing in the United States, which is a massive uh, market. Yes, uh, but we have also uh, gone to some newer markets like uh, all the, the the Arab countries. They are booming and they are looking mm. they are looking for for stronger fermentations. Right, uh, and we are also selling coffees in South Africa, which I, uh, ten years ago I wouldn't imagine we are we will be selling coffees in Africa. I know who uh, I know who you sell to. <laughs> Uh, you sell to Dario from Bluebird, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, 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 he was here a few weeks ago, so... Yes, he told me. He told me. We were chatting the other day because uh, we're working uh, on something together and he told me that he was visiting you. What a small world. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the coffee world is really small. So so you, you, you have to, to work properly because uh, Good news travels fast, uh, but bad news travels faster. So if you do yes. something bad in this industry, everybody will know it's for really sure. fast. For sure, for sure. Um, maybe in closing, I would love to get your thoughts on where you see the coffee industry in five years or so. Because, you know, I think every time I speak to somebody about this, you know, like a lot of people don't seem to have a very clear answer because it's so in flux in a way. You know, everything's changing so quickly. You know, a couple of years ago, nobody was talking about these fermented processes. You know, there was, it was kind of a different place. And um, and now, you know, everybody's going crazy about these processes. But 
already that you can see that it's kind of like starting to decrease in some markets where people are going back to basics and they want to have washed and natural coffees like a little bit like myself but i'm not saying that i'm a trendsetter but you know <laughs> just following the curve um but what are you personally like what is your personal sort of view five years ahead where do you see volcano azul and maybe also the, the coffee industry as a whole well, I, I think we all, we always have to have this hunger to to do to to do research for new things in the industry. Of course, not losing your mind and then having all 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 your production done with that uh, uh, new new way of producing coffee. Uh, for, for example, with that anaerobics, we talk about a lot ab about them, but but it's still uh, around fifteen percent of our our production is anaerobic. Most of our coffees are still fully washed, uh, honeys and and naturals. So, so so of course we love doing research. We love developing new new recipes, but we don't want to throw to 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 the to the garbage uh, the old ways of producing uh, of producing coffees. There, there is room for all kinds of processes and all the varieties. So, 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 so we, we, we have to be careful uh, uh, with, with that because we still sell a lot of the more traditional uh, uh, processes. But we still want to continue uh, looking for new ways of, 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 of processing. Uh, our idea with the, with the processes is, is to enhance uh, uh, the, the flavors we have uh, here at our farm. We're not adding strange stuff to, to our uh, coffees, or we are not infusing our, our, our coffees. Uh, although I, I don't have nothing against that, uh, if you're transparent about that. But in, 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 our, in my case, I see that what we want to do is to showcase our terroir, our conditions, our, our farm. Uh, so, so I think with some of the new ways of processing, you can enhance some of those flavors. And also, you can still uh, process them as as the uh, uh, with the traditional uh, uh, processes, uh, and we still sell a lot of that, them. We have seen many of the roasters uh, asking for more washed or yellow honey uh, uh, processes, and we're doing that. Uh, uh, so, so I, I think how I see the future is uh, for us. It will be good to have a wide menu of of options. You, uh, roasters will come here. They will cup, and and they will uh, choose what they like better or what they they think they want to showcase in their in their in their in their cafe. So yeah. so I think the fu the future for for a specialty coffee is having options and having a, a diversity of options. Right. Absolutely. And uh, just as a very final thought, can people also visit your farm and? Uh... And stay there and, and maybe help pick coffees or is that a no-go well you you are more than welcome to, to visit <laughs> us uh, so uh, every year we have a uh, uh, the roasters that visit us uh, and people related with coffee at this moment we are not open to we will have a tourist uh, setup uh, at, at our farm uh, but we are always happy to 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 bring people that are, are really uh, uh, I, I call myself and and, 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 and all the, the people that are, are really into coffee coffee nerds so I think we are all coffee nerds yes. and for me it's always really interesting to to to, to have uh, these people that are really into coffee uh, at our farm because I also learn a lot so 
Cool. At this moment, we're not open to to tourists, but uh, for 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 people related with with coffee, uh, we, we can do something to to schedule a, a visit. Oh, fantastic! Well, I would love to come by one day and uh, visit you and uh, see all the uh, action in action, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, joining me here in this podcast. Uh, it was very very insightful, and I hope that. Uh, people and li listeners will, uh, will learn a lot more about you and uh, Costa Rican coffee farming. Thank you for joining me, Alejo. No, it was a really honor to, 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 to be here with you. Uh, I know uh, how good you are with coffee, so, so it's, it's a pleasure to, to, to have this conversation with you. Thank you. That was it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Heard It on the Coffee Vine. To make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes, just hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you get your podcasts. And to get in touch, you can find me on Instagram at the Coffee Vine, visit our website, thecoffeevine.com, or send us an email to hello at thecoffeevine.com. And remember, coffee's only good when it's shared. Until next time. Bye.